0: There's a guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just. People who don't like me Office are all homophobic. It's like a conspiracy theory I've been building for the past couple of years. Well, they seem to like me. Good to see you.
1: The following feature has been rated
0: R by the Motion Picture Association of America. It is intended for mature audiences and parental discretion is advised.
2: You can't quite put your finger on it. Something about him seems familiar yet... Disturbing. He could be anyone, no one. He's that guy whose name you just can't remember, no matter how many times you've been introduced to him. All you remember is how forgettable he is.
1: Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako and uh, we're welcoming a new guest, uh, into uh, this particular episode we'll talk about we'll, we'll bring
2: him in in just a few seconds let's do our introductions first hi i'm producer dave and i'm happy to be speaking to you excellent so producer dave and i uh we were recommended this guest uh who was on the show today by
1: our wonderful friends the shakespeare sisters Hilary and Anne elizabeth you know them from films such as uh, a soundtrack to 16 and the new one that's coming out which is oh, it's coming out soon, which is Much Ado, which is my, I've been raving nonstop about my uh, affinity for the Shakespeare play, Much Ado About Nothing, but that, enough about the Shakespeare sisters, because this is not about them. This is about someone that they introduced us to who is coming on the show to talk about his film. He's the writer, director, and star of this particular film, Plastic Boy. Please tell us your name and, tell, and, and just let us know, first of all, how you know the Shakespeare sisters.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. Hi, my name's Sam. I made Film Plastic Boy. And um, yeah, I guess I met Anna and Hillary through just like putting out my film at different film festivals and then like looking at the lineup of film festivals that were kind of like similar to mine. And then I think I saw Soundtrack to 16 was at a festival I didn't go to, but I like noticed that it was like made for like a similar budget to me and they lived in London. So I think I just like followed them on Instagram and then
1: I use any opportunity, any opportunity I get to give a big shout out to the sisters, to, to the Shakespeare sisters, I, I will take. So their film, Soundtrack to 16, I really loved it. It's a nice indie uh, indie flick, a British indie flick. You can get it on, uh, I believe you can get it on Amazon. You can definitely get it on Sky box office. Um, go check it out, Soundtrack to 16. Anne Elizabeth and Hilary Shakespeare, fantastic, but we'll not talk about them anymore uh, because we we do that nonstop. Today we're going to talk about you, Sam. Sam, today's show is going to be about got to hear. Which will which we'll jump into uh, to talk about yours uh, to talk about your film in our spotlight section, which is going to be coming up pretty soon. Uh, before we do the spotlight section where we talk about Sam Ploma and his film Plastic Boy, we're going to do film and TV news. <laughs> You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. and I'm producer Dave. And as we're in the film and TV news uh, segment of the show, it would we be remiss of us if we didn't uh, mention the uh, untimely passing of Jamal Edwards, the um, the music mogul, um, MBE, uh, and if, uh, he's huge he entra- uh, entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Uh, who founded SBTV on YouTube and championed numerous British talent that have now become global superstars. Ed Sheeran, Rita Ora, Jesse J, Stormzy, they uh, were all championed when they were grime artists, when they were street artists, they were not known by anyone. Edward found and championed them on his channel on YouTube and made them... Essentially, what they are now—they then blew up and became household names. There's been an outpouring of goodwill this last week, um, and we we had the opportunity in 2018 to have him on the show. I interviewed him uh, when he was doing one of his projects with, I believe, his visa, and uh, he was such a wonderful, wonderful character. Um, for for a, I, I've never met too many millionaires in my life, um, and I'll be honest with you. You could never tell, but that's what he was. He sat in the room, had a conversation with him, and he was very open, very honest, very welcoming. For all of my questions, I had tons of questions. You can listen to the show on Resonance FM. Uh, We played uh, the episode this Tuesday, and it's just gone, but it's also going to be repeated on Sunday at 10 a.m. if you want to catch that episode. The episode is also on the Shoot the Breeze podcast list, or you can go on Resonance FM SoundCloud and find that particular recording and um, so there's been we're not we're just one small group uh one small group of people who have generously outpoured condolences and uh and uh you know rest in peace wishes over his you know for him and his death for his family uh, idris elba rita ora mo gillingham uh, uh, even even across the pond uh, talking to people like uh, drake um, and uh, Nicki Minaj or Wiz Khalifa have already given their uh, correspondence about his death because that's how big he was. He's only 31 as well. So for somebody that determined to forge a path in that industry and uh, and, and do it, he, he did it. He started SPTV on YouTube when he was about 15 uh, and by 21, it was already a massive success. So you know, the, all as as they as uh one of my favorite podcasters kevin uh, kevin smith and ralph garman they often say when uh, when this situation pops up they say huge bucket of wind so for a short life that he had he managed to crush and he managed to do what people who've lived three you know uh, three times his life have never been able to do so rest in peace jamal edwards um, your life may have stopped now, but your legacy will end. Will Your legacy will continue uh, and will continue to touch many and will co- continue to inspire many uh, going forward for the next few generations to come. Rest in peace, Jamal Edwards. Uh, hope to see you soon. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ackle.
2: I'm producer Dave.
1: And the uh, Oscar nominations got announced uh, this week. There, there's a little bit of controversy because one of the announcements that was made uh, after they made the announcement about the Oscar nominations, uh, it, it kind of, I don't know. Producer Dave, did you hear about any of this stuff? Did you hear about any of the controversy that happened this week when the Oscars were announced?
2: No, I'm afraid not. So uh, you'll have to enlighten me.
1: Okay. So it, it, essentially, the controversy, and it's it, it, compared to other years and other controversies, is not that big. But it actually will affect someone that that we've spoken to. So the Hollywood Reporter reported this week that the categories or these categories will not be broadcast live during the Oscars telecast. Film editing, makeup and hairstyling, original score, production design, sound, documentary short, animated short, live action short. So those um, categories won't actually be broadcast live. Now, we interviewed the filmmakers, or I say we, you had the pleasure of interviewing the filmmakers behind Take and Run, correct?
2: Yeah, it did. Oh, gosh.
1: Yes, and they were nominated for live action short, but unfortunately, it's not going to be broadcast live um, during the Oscars telecast, which a lot of people are kicking off. They're not kicking off about the short segment, which, I mean... I guess I guess that that's why they're not. But areas, uh, the categories such as film editing and original score and sound, as well as maybe like um, ha- makeup and hairstyling, people have been kicking up a fuss because they're not actually, there's been a huge backlash uh, because of the fact that they're not telecasting, they're not broadcasting those particular categories, which
2: it's kind of a shame, don't you think? Mm you know what i mean i i would really like to hear about who did the best editing and who did the best sound um costume design and hair and makeup yeah they're important but mm, you know i mean they're still going to award the oscars for them though aren't they mm-hmm. they were still awarded it. it just won't be broadcast live
1: as someone on twitter put uh, ed- the uh, editors didn't even make the cut. Uh, so editors didn't make the cut, even though it literally make the cut. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Uh, yeah, but I guess that if, compared to all the other controversies that the Oscars have quoted and, and had over the years, this one will just blow past. And uh, I guess the reason why they're doing that is because they're losing uh, ratings, right? So they want to try and keep it short, concise, and keep the things that people possibly, in, in that are not in the industry, won't really care about while that's and that's that's the hard truth. While people in the industry or people who appreciate film do appreciate all of those categories, I mean, film editing for one, it can it, it's one of those things I can't remember who said it, uh, said it, but they said it perfectly. They said the best kind of edit in a film is one that you don't even notice is being edited, whereas if you notice the editing, then they're not doing their job properly. But essentially, filmmakers and people who are interested in film will will dislike the fact that those categories aren't being given their, their due. It's not that they're not given their due. They are giving their due, but just the fact that they're not being broadcast as part of the main ceremony. However, yeah. other people who really care about that stuff are like, look, I'm watching the Oscars to see best picture, best actor, best supporting actress, and so on, and see the dresses. I don't care about the other stuff. So. Yeah, you know, but that's not why I want to talk about the Oscars. I just wanted to mention that in particular. I want to run through some of the, the some of the, the categories that, that, that I've just said people are going to be interested in. See, see, nice little segue. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about all of those categories, with the exception of Take and Run, which I believe you know is possibly going to do very well. But I don't know the other the other nominees, and I haven't seen the other nominees, so who knows? But we are rooting for Take and Run to actually go and win the Oscar for live action short. But in the bigger, more recognized categories, there's the Oscar for best motion picture of the year. Uh, from a few years ago, they've started expanding it where it's like it's, it's up to 10 films that could be put in this uh, category. This year, we've got Belfast, which is the Kenneth Branner film. We've got Coda, we've got Don't Look Up, which is on Netflix at the moment. And we've got Drive My Car, We've got Dune. We've got King Richard with uh, Will Smith. We've got Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, which is uh, Guillermo del Toro. We've got Power of the Dog, which is also on Netflix, and West Side Story, which is by Steven Spielberg, the remake of the musical. Producer Dave, from any of those names, which do you think might take the picture?
2: I haven't seen most of them anyway. I know Spielberg's film probably won't win it. You think it won't win it? The main reason, well, how, count how many Spielberg films have won. No, that's true. That's true. But
1: the original West Side Story is is one of the it, it, it when it came out, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, sixty in the sixties. It took about ten or eleven Oscars. So well, that was the original though. Well, that's true. That's true. That was the original, and I guess you have West Side Story coming out in the same year that In the Heights came out, which is kind of similar. So that may take the shine off of it. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, I see it's a it's it's a very hard race for all of those ones, but I do think West Side Story might clinch it. Uh, if it's not West Side Story, I think possibly Power of the Dog would take it. Uh, Jane Campion is most likely going to. Is going to pick up. She she's probably going to sweep in that particular uh, that that particular film because um, she did things like The Piano. Um, but Jane Campion, I don't know she's I don't think she's won an, uh, an Oscar yet. So I think she's going to take power um, the uh, the power of the dog. So that's that's my guess. My guess is Power of the Dog is going to take it. Anyway, we'll move on from that one. Uh, best actor in the in the best performance by an actor in the leading role. We have. Uh, Andrew Garfield uh, uh, in Tick Tick Boom. We've got Benedict Cumberbatch in Power of the Dog. We've got Denzel Washington in The Tragedy of Macbeth. We've got Javier Bardem in Being the Ricardos, and we've got Will Smith in King Richard. Producer Dave, from those names, who do you think will take it?
2: I would like to see Will Smith get it, but um, I um...
1: think Will I think Will Smith is definitely going to get it. Here's why: because Will Smith. This is the second time Will Smith. This is the third time Will Smith has been nominated for an Oscar. The first time he was nominated was for Ali, and his performance was blistering in Ali. However, they didn't give it to him. They gave it to Denzel Washington for Training Day, which, funnily enough, the year before they should have given it to him for Hurricane. But is it Hurricane? I think it's Hurricane. Yeah. Is it? Is it Hurricane? I think it's the Hurricane. Uh, which he played a boxer, uh, but he didn't get it for that one, and everyone was like, "What are you guys doing?" And in the very next year, he did Training Day, which I like Training Day. I love his performance in Training Day. I don't think it's Oscar worthy. However, they gave it to him then. So Will Smith got kind of the he got he got the polite, uh, "Don't worry, your time will come." Fast forward a few years, a couple of years after, and he comes out with Pursuit of Happiness. And again, another blistering Will Smith performance. I love that performance. I, was, I remember being in the cinema watching it and he, um, he, he's, uh, I can't remember the character he's playing, but he's playing, it's a true, a true life character. And his son, Jaden Smith was in that film as well, playing his son. And there's a scene in the film and I turned to whomever I was with watching that film. And I said, "That he, he, Jaden has just gotten his dad the Oscar. He got nominated that year. But then didn't get it because, um, what's his name? Oh, he played Idi Amin, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker came in and took the award for Idi Amin. Don't get me wrong, he was blistering as Idi Amin, he was fantastic as a character. So he got it. So, second time in a row, Will Smith doesn't get the, the Oscar. Now, this is third time. And it's like, right, he's done, he will, he's playing King Richard, he's playing Serena, uh, Venus and Serena's dad. Um, and he's now going for the Oscar, and then Denzel Washington pops up as Macbeth. So they can't, they can't not give it to Will Smith. It has to, it's, it's I'm not. They have to give it to Will Smith. I'm putting money
2: down. Will Smith is going to get it. And- okay. And suppose it goes to Denzel again for Macbeth. Um, what do you say then? If if they give
1: if that happens, then someone at the Oscar in the Oscar community does not like Will Smith, which I doubt it because Will everybody likes Will Smith. So and and Tragedy of Macbeth, the reason why I don't think Denzel is going to get it for that, while I think he would, I haven't seen Tragedy of Macbeth, um, and I I, I have no doubt he would have given an excellent performance because it's a Joel Coen movie, um it's an Apple movie as well. It's on Apple TV. So I don't think, it's like the whole thing where it's only recently Netflix movies started really getting that kind of Oscar acclaim and whatnot. I don't think Apple are there yet. So I think it's going to be kind of situation where his performance is good, but they gave it already to him for a number of other projects. And right now it's Will Smith's turn. So that's why I say it's going to be Will Smith. Okay. But I'll be, I'll be really shocked and I'll be out three pounds. If Will Smith, <laughs> so uh, next category is best performance by an actress in a leading role. Now we have Jessica Chastain for the the Eyes of Tammy Faye. We have Kirsten Stewart for Spencer. We have Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos. Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, and Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers. Now, do you have any suggestions? Any uh, you know, uh, any thoughts as to where the Oscars going to go?
2: Now I was thinking ooh Pen- Penelope Cruz
1: mm, yeah okay see I, I like the idea of Penelope Cruz however I think it's going to be Jessica Chastain here's my theory for Jessica Chastain uh, Jessica Chastain has been in the business for a while she's done some very some powerful roles and some not so powerful roles however in the eyes of Tammy Faye, she's buried in makeup right is prosthetic and she's uh, Face is covered. She's fully transformed to be to play the the uh, the, the character Tammy Faye based on uh, based on a real person. Like I can remember Tammy Faye obviously Obviously, uh, she's a she was the wife of an evangelical preacher and so on, so forth. So my theory is she's going to get it because if you look at the history of actresses who have won Oscars for for Best Actress, you know the, the best performance in the Best Actress. You know, performance by an actress in a role, whatever however you want to put it, it is more often than not, it is gone to women who have had prosthetics worked on them. In fact, look at um, uh, Char- Charlize Theron, The Monster. She won that. The Monster, completely prosthetic to change her look to look like Eileen Warner's. Uh, Nicole Kidman, she won her Oscar for The Hours, where she had a prosthetic nose put on her. Um, there are a number of other people in there as well. Um, Nicole Kidman has she's in here as being for being the Ricardos, which is an Amazon, which is currently on Amazon Prime. I don't think she's going to take it because again, she's already won her Oscar and being the Ricardos, I don't know if it did that well. Uh, I mean, he's been nominated for an Oscar, so hey, it did very it did well enough. Olivia Coleman won it uh fairly recently for um, what's the the, the film about. The Queen. Girls,
2: I, I can't remember. It's about the royal. Fa- well, yeah, about the royal family, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, the name escapes me. It'll come to me later on. But yeah, so so she's already won the Oscar uh, as well. Jessica Chastain again, been in the industry for a while, hasn't won the Oscar, hasn't won an Oscar. I think this is that. That's my theory. My theory is it's going to go to Jessica Jessica Chastain because. She's got, a, and I'm not saying that, you know, she's not, she, her performance isn't great because just because she's got prosthetics, prosthetics on, but the way the, the, the sort of the, uh, the, the the- The pattern. The, thank you, the pattern, the way the pattern goes, when an actress puts prosthetic makeup to make them look different from what they normally look, they often get rewarded as an Oscar. Anyway, with an Oscar. Okay. Best performance by an actor in a supporting role. We'll do that one. Then we'll do actress supporting role. And then we'll move on to the next segment in our session. Uh, So best actor, uh, best performance by an actor in a supporting role. You have Kieran Hines in Belfast. You have J.K. Simmons in Being the Ricardos. You have Jesse Plemons in The Power of the Dog. You have Cody Smith-McPhee, also from The Power of the Dog. And Troy Kotzer in Coda. Now, I personally feel... I personally feel Kieran Hines is going to take it mainly because I mean, Jesse Plemons is, he's going to give him a good shout, but I go with Kieran Hines again, Kieran Hines been in the business for decades. He's been rocking it in a, ton, a, a lot of performances. He's been coming in. He's been giving the good performances, but he's not really been getting that accolade, right? You know, he, He's not, had any Oscar love whatsoever. I think this is going to be where they're going to say, you know, similar to Denzel Washington and training day, where it's like, Hey, you've done so many good films. We haven't honored you. Here you go. You did a great performance. It's something we can hang our hat on. That's why I think he's going to get uh, best performance by an actor in a supporting role Oscar for this year. Uh, Let's wrap up with the last category that we'll talk about best performance by an actress in a supporting role. We have Ariana DeBose uh, from uh, West Side Story. We have Angenou Ellis from King Richard. We have Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter. We have Judy Dench in Belfast and Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog. Uh, Producer Dave, you going to hazard a guess as to who you're going
2: to go with? I um, no <laughs> no, I'm not going <laughs> to no. guess. <I'm, laughs> no, I'm, it's just that I, I heard Judy Dench's name and I thought, oh, will she win it again? And I thought, nah. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I see.
1: I, I, I did think Judy Dench, but then I thought, eh, no, again, she's already won an Oscar. So they're not going to give it to her for Belfast. I haven't seen Belfast, so I don't know how, what her performance is like. Uh, I did think Kirsten Dunst for Power of the Dog, because I do think Power of the Dog is going to do quite a bit, but then Ariana DeBose, I think is going to get it for West Side Story. I think it's going to be her. Um, just because I think they're going to throw some love West Side Stories away, it may not be for Best Picture. It may not be for Best Director because Spielberg is up for Best Director in uh, for uh, West Side Story. I think it's going to be her. I think that's how they're going to give their love to uh, to West Side Story. They're going to give her the the Oscar.
2: If they don't, then what they'll do is they'll give them they'll give it Best Sound. That's true, and they're not going to show it, so we're not going to know <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, So uh, I did say that was going to be the last category, but it was just one last real quick one. Uh, best achievement in directing. There's Jane Campion for Power of the Dog. We've got uh, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. Uh, Ryusuke Ryuse, Ryuse, Hamaguchi, Hamaguchi. Producer Dave is going to help me cut that bit out. Uh, no, for, I'm not.
2: I'm leaving that.
1: <laughs> thanks, man. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and and Steve for for drive my car, and then Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. So, like I said, I believe Jane Campion is going to take Power of the Dog uh, because she, again, same thing. She's been around. She's done terrific work over the years. I don't believe she's been given the Oscar yet, and I think she's gonna. I, so I think she's gonna get it. I think she'll get it for the Power of the Dog. But who knows? Who who am I to be able to predict what's gonna happen at the Oscars? We'll see. Um, We'll come back when the Oscars have been announced, and we'll go through my list again and see if I won my six pound fifty. Like I think I'm going to win from the bet that I've placed. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Okay, so we'll move on from uh, from that, and we'll move on to a film project. you will listen to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance One Hundred Four Point Four FM. I'm Marcus P. Acho,
2: and I'm producer Dave
1: and one of our guests uh, a guest in the past who who came on the show a couple a year maybe a year ago a couple of years ago alejandro montoya marin one of our is very very lively guest he's a film writer and director in america he recently he recently reached out to us to let us know that he had a sh- he has a short film that is out at the oh, it's it's going to be released he's currently doing the festival run it's called the wrong guy and we had the opportunity to watch the wrong guy uh, this week.
2: Producer Dave, I'm going to throw you on the bus. Let me ask you first. What did you think of the film, The Wrong Guy? Uh, I love the premise. I really did love the premise um, of The Wrong Guy. It, it follows in kind of um, the the nobody stakes, if you see what I mean. It's just an ordinary geezer. And um, being a short, I can't go into details, but he is just an ordinary man and a couple of things happen to him and uh, you see how he deals with it. And it is just, uh, it's funny.
1: That, that's true, I, I agree with you. Really. It, it, I agree with you because it's short, you can't really talk much about it because it's, it's a 20 minute long film, but it is just, it, from, from start to finish, it just continues to run uh, in the direction that it's running in. Uh, it's just called The Wrong Man. One of the standouts for me in the film was actor Kirk Fox. Uh, so people may recognize Kirk Fox from other films, from, from films like *Forgetting Sarah Marshall*, uh, *Patriot*, uh, Kirby Enthusiasm*. He popped up in that in a couple of episodes, uh, and uh, one of the, one a film that I, I saw a very long time ago. That it just it's it's uh, it's I, I did I, it's like I I saw him pop up in this film, and I was thinking, is is this who I think it is? And then I went back and I was like, yes. I looked at his IMDb, and yes, he's in it. He was in. Uh, it's sort of like a, the part two, bulletproof part two. Uh, the original bulletproof was Damon Wayans and Adam Sandler, and they did a remake in twenty twenty uh, with Kirk Fox playing the Adam Sandler type role and on Love playing the uh, Damon Wayans type role. So, it, but Kirk Fox he crushes it in the short. He's his delivery is on point. If if I were to say anything lets down the film, I would say. Yeah, and this is this is a bad thing to say. The the casting, it, it, the casting could have been better. That's what I'd say. I'd say the casting could have been better because you're watching it, and a lot of there are a lot of lines that you can you can tell what the writer, which is uh, Alejandro montoya was trying to get across. You're trying to get you see the jokes that are coming. The jokes come thick and fast, but sometimes the delivery doesn't work, and then you're thinking, ah, come on. Kirk Fox nails all his lines, obviously, because he's a consummate professional. But there, but it's straight up. It's you can see it. It's a fast pace. It's supposed to be edgy. It's it's not supposed to be taken seriously. It is wacky from the very beginning, from the from the uh, opening narration, right through to the narration that ends it. There's you can tell it's just basically it's a fun-filled action-packed uh, short that it's if. If it were to be expanded, I it, I believe this film has legs to be expanded into a feature film. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I would say definitely. i my what I would say needs to be adjusted. First of all, definitely get actors better, better actors to deliver the lines that are there. I and I would say, and this is my my word to Alejandro. I know what. It, and funny enough, it, um, when Alejandro was mentioning this to me, he said he directed it remotely because it was obviously during the lockdown. And I think he had COVID, so I'm I've, I've trying to press him on that to give me more information. But he's it, it, even in the credits, he says directed by, and then he puts his name, and then he puts remotely. So I assume he had COVID and he had to direct it that way. But what I would say is, if he's making this into a feature, lean heavily into the wackiness of the story because. That just would sell it. It would be because his inspiration is Robert Rodriguez. Love Rodriguez's work. And you can imagine if you had the spirit of El Mariachi in this film, this film would be, would, would be, would be great. It would be far better. It would be a great feature film when you have that. Definitely keep Kirk Fox in it because he nailed that role. Uh, so yeah. So uh, the, the wrong guy, I think is, I, I, I liked it. a lot. I liked it from what i saw i think it, it definitely deserves a feature film extension and if it is going in that direction alejandro lean heavy into the wacky because this film has that potential to be wacky and funny and uh, and very very interesting so great job on doing a short on doing a short we would love to have more of his films come out. We'd love to see more and talk more about Alejandro's films. Go check him out. He's on Twitter. You can find him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is, uh, let me just get the Twitter handle. It is at 4.5 films. So four, the number four, as in the, the spelling out of four, F-O-U-R, four point, and then the number five films, 4.5 films. Go follow him on Twitter. Let him know that you heard about his film, The Wrong Guy, on uh this show shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm give him a shout out and tell him hey uh we want to see your film how do we get to see your film and he'll tell you But i think it's currently doing the, the festival run so as soon as that's finished then he'll probably put that on uh on blast for everybody to watch you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e. Ako. i'm producer dave and this is spotlight And we're welcome back, our guest this episode, uh, Sam Ploma. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Is it Ploma or Plumber?
0: I mean, I will just say that I don't really know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's like quite like a weird surname. There's not many plumbers in the world. I always say Ploma, but then my friends always correct me and say that it's obviously Plumber. Okay. I think there's not like a popular name, there's not like an overall consensus. So you can't just say what you want. Like what you said was fine.
1: See, this is this is where I would get this is where I'd get friend of mine, uh, Gregory Stokes, to to sort of to help me. Well, I say help me, to just give his own opinion on Cause the thing about Gregory Stokes, Gregory Stokes, he's a he's a he's been a friend of mine for ages and he listens to the show constantly. He's one of my one of our uh, uh, avid listeners and he held me to task with a segment we used to do we haven't done it in a while we want to bring it back called top five favorites right where it's basically our guests would give us their top five favorites whatever category right and his beef with that category was you can't have a top five and then say favorites because it's if it's your favorite it's your favorite you can't have five favorites and that's why one of the things that he always used to he always argues about and he always argues about a whole bunch of other stuff but he would be the one i'd go to to ask how would you pronounce this name p-l-o-m-e-r you know what the only person's opinion that i want to take is yours because it is your name so it is my name you call it whatever
0: you pronounce it as is what i'm going to pronounce it as how do you pronounce your last name I mean, I feel like I change it, given my mood. <laughs> um, most of the time I just say plumber. Plumber, Yeah. Plumber,
1: And you're happy with being referred to as Sam Plummer?
0: Yeah, I, that is how I, I, I identify as well, yeah.
1: Fair enough. So we have writer, director, actor, Sam Plummer on here talking about his project, Plastic Boy. Now tell us, Sam, what is Plastic Boy all about?
0: Yeah, so I guess I kind of coined the phrase, as calling it kind of like a queer grey comedy, because it's kind of like a comedy drama, like black comedy, but I felt like black comedy always sounded like a bit intense, so I, I started calling it a grey comedy, because it's like a bit sad, but like a bit funny, um, so it's a queer grey comedy about um, a character who's like, I guess like late to mid-20s, um, he has had like the same job that he doesn't really like, and isn't very good at for like, quite a while Um, and he likes this guy at work who doesn't really give him much attention and he's kind of like dating his ex-boyfriend a little bit but he isn't really paying him much attention either. So it's kind of like sets up the scene where this guy is, I guess, at a crossroads in his life. And then it kind of, he's pushed forward to like know what he wants to do in his life when he may lose his job and he has to like begin to take life seriously.
1: I like how you're carving out your own category of great comedy. Where, where your know, description of dark comedy being intense—I understand what you mean because when you talk about dark comedies, you tend to deal with intense themes where it's usually about death and violence, but it's undercut with humor. Whereas you feel you, you feel so. I, I'm assuming there's no death or violence in your in your film.
0: There is no death. I mean, I there is a scene. I guess. We not right. violence.
1: Violence is different.
0: Yeah, there's a scene where I get mugged. Which maybe constitutes as violence, but besides that, it's all pretty like lighthearted. I just feel like I can never write something that was like a straight-up comedy or a straight-up drama. It feels like it has to have like bits of both. So it's kind of like yeah, a grey comedy.
1: You know, you don't have to pencil yourself in just a one a one genre. I mean, look at Kubrick, for example. I mean, you know, he he did he did comedy with. Uh, Dr. Strickland, he did sci-fi with uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, did horror with Shining. So it's like he's, For some people say he's all over the shop, but you know, you don't have to categorize. It's whatever you like, you do it. And then with more of your catalog of work, then people can say, ah, this is more where he steers towards. Now, what's the inspiration of Plastic Boy? I and
0: mean, it's, so I guess, like, unfortunately, it's all pretty much based on my actual life. Um, let's say, I kind of had been writing notes about the film like in my phone for like a really long time. And then when it came to writing it, I had like a lot of like scenes and pieces of dialogue and like it all kind of formed together to culminate in like Plastic Boy. But I guess it is pretty much all inspired by my real life. So
1: uh, the characters in there, are they actually, are they based on actual people who would watch this movie and say, that, that was me. I was in that situation. That's not how it
0: went. Like a little bit. I would say the events of the film are kind of like from my life, maybe from like the last 10 years. But, you know, it's not like the film Boyhood. I can't actually film like 10 years of my life. So I've taken kind of like the events and characters that feel like they have some kind of like synergy and put it together a bit. So I would say all the characters are like, maybe like fragments of different types of people put into one as opposed to one whole person,
1: and, and the main, the movie is doing great so far with reviews. We've it's in on IMDb. It's come to about eight point nine uh, out of ten in terms of rating. Uh, this is am I correct in sense, This is your third feature film, or is it, it, it is your third feature film?
0: My first. I've made first. a short one before this, and like a web series before, but this is kind of like the first, like yeah, like hour and a half thing that i've made
1: okay uh, you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus E. Ako.
2: and i'm producer dave
1: and we are speaking with writer director uh, actor sam Plummer, who is yeah. talking about his film plastic boy which as he said is uh, is kind of based on his life um and so i'll read one of the critic, one of the reviews from the independent critic who uh, gave it out of five, they gave it a grade B. I don't know what their rating actually is, but they gave, uh, they said, it's a Classic Boy is the kind of film you enjoy finding on the indie circuit. Quite a, a quiet little gem with a little bit of lesson and a whole lot of laughs along the way. So you're getting straight away um, from your first feature film, you're getting in, um, critics giving you such high praise with the work that you're doing, which again, I know tied to being a personal story how does that make you feel when you get that kind of criticism and I, I would say that positive criticism yeah about the book
0: no it was really good that's like the first review that we ever got and i remember like it was like i guess it was like really reaffirming because i guess up until that point the only people who had seen it were like friends or my parents and i guess they kind of have to tell me they like it because they can't really be that objective. so that was like the first person who like reviewed it, who liked it, who wasn't like related to me. so that was like it was really good reading that. I remember I remember someone in the film messaged me saying that there was like a review out and then I was like I had like five minutes of like hell before like I clicked it just thinking that they would hate it and then it would all be of over. Course. but he he liked it a lot so yeah, it was really good and
1: because uh, as, as a writer how long did it take you to come how long did it take you because you're a writer director producer and well and the, the lead character so this is this is a it's for your feature which is pretty much for people at at this level where you don't necessarily have much of a of a financial backing you know like the, the Spielbergs and the and the Nolans who may actually have that financial backing to be able to make a large budget project, right? So this is your first feature. How how long did it take you to bring this project from conception to this point where we're having a conversation about it?
0: Yeah, I feel like the only financial backing I had was the money that I had in my savings account. So yeah, nothing big there. Um, Yeah, so I had kind of like been writing it so I made a web series like in 2014 I did that for a few years and I made a short film and I guess in the background of all of that I was like always like writing down ideas on my notes app on my phone which has like pages of weird stuff um and I guess not knowing that it would like lead to Plastic Boy but it was just like little situations or little lines of dialogue and then so I was kind of doing that for a few years and then I like and it went through, like, lots of different reincarnations. Like, at one point, my character worked in, like, a like a call centre, and it was called, like, trying or something like that. Like, it went through like, lots of different stages. Um Then I, I got fired from this job that I hated. And it was, like, the second time I'd been fired, I think, that month from, like, this other job that I really didn't like. And then I remember just, like sitting on a bench and feeling really annoyed that I couldn't keep down like a job that I hated. And then like looking through my notes phone, looking through my notes and then being like, oh, there's like quite a lot here already. Um, So I started kind of writing down like, I guess like a formal like synopsis and like a plan of what it would be like. And I guess that was like 2000, I'm so bad with years now, 2019. And then I think when I wrote, when I sat down to write it like officially, like it all came out really quickly. Like, it was, like, the quickest thing I've ever written. And it usually takes me, like, a really long time because I get distracted by everything and bored by everything. So, but I think because I had so much in my head, but it just, like, it flew out really quickly. So I remember, like, it only took, like, a week to write, which has never happened to me ever again and probably never will ever again in my life. Um, And then making it took a bit longer because it was, we shot on weekends when, like, everyone was free. So we shot on weekends across, like two months so it took like quite well it was like 14 days across weekends so it took like two months and then yeah then editing was like a few months and then we had like a good year of like some film festivals and reviews and then I guess COVID was like a bit of an obstacle um and then yeah Anna and Hillary came and kind of saved it.
1: (laughs) I mean you're you're basically you're preaching to the choir a lot of people that we've spoken to who are working on a lot of their projects do exactly what you said, they, they uh, sacrifice their weekends because they can't afford it, right? They can't afford to pay uh, people to take time off work. So it's on a Saturday, Sunday, then get the film done and then go off through the regular work and then come back. Now, I, let's, let's go back to the beginning. Um, you started off with the web series and then you did a short film and then you did your feature film. What made you get into
0: TV and film in the first place? I guess it's kind of like the only, I feel like writing has only been, has has been the only thing I've ever really liked in my life. Like, yeah, I feel like I remember being like really young and just kind of like writing like weird small plays and then like forcing my friends in school to like be in them and stuff like that. It's always been this kind of thing that I've just always liked. I mean... Obviously, like, I'm not that precocious. at like, 10 years old, I was, like, writing a full-on script. But it's always been, like, there as, like, something I, like, enjoyed. And then I studied media and communication at uni, which had, like, a lot of writing elements. And I think when I was, like, I feel like no one pushed me really before I moved to London for university to, like, go into writing. I think maybe because I just went to, like, non-private school, so there's not really that, like, attention to individuals. So it wasn't really until I got to uni that, I watched more films and I had access to equipment and was meeting new people that I was like, Oh, and I got into like a lot of independent films around that time as well. So like 2011, 2012. And that's when I was like, Oh, maybe I could like do this myself. I guess making films always seemed like you have to be like a big man with like a massive camera to make. But then I was watching like a lot of mumblecore films and I was like, Oh, I could like probably do something like this. So I mean, it took like a lot of writing, really bad, really bad things to like. That's how to- you.
1: That's, that's how you start off. Everybody, you, you read. We you, you always say when you first start out, it's bas- It's terrible writing, and I think it was. Uh, it may, I may be getting. I may be misquoting him. I think it was Neil Gaiman. Um, my, I, no, I think I'm definitely misquoting him. Let's just say it's Neil Gaiman that said it. Um, he says the very first time that you start to write, it's basically you just practicing and clearing out the cobwebs. So you write the first one, and then. Uh, and then the more you write, the better you get. You see your mistakes, you go back and you fix it. And then you get to a point where all the cobwebs are cleaned out and you're now starting to write. And it's, you start to find your voice and you see what's stronger. And once you found your voice and you know what works for you, your writing becomes better. Plus, you've already got that practice, um, the Malcolm Gladwell idea of 10,000 hours you know, of practice, right? You now get to a point where you now know what ticks, what works, what doesn't what it appeals to you and you know what stories you like. So that's, you know, that, that's how that works. And then you started doing your your, your TV series, your web series, um, Sorry Not Interested. Is that yeah. still available? Is, is that Yeah, available?
0: that was just on YouTube. That's always been available. You can watch it anytime you like. That was kind of like the first thing I made. I like I'd, yeah, written like a lot of things, written a lot of bad things, kind of like got that out of my system. And then just like wanted to like make something. Um, And I remember being, I was in like an improv comedy group at the time, like a really brief period. I think through that time, I like met a few people who were interested in the same thing. So that was kind of like in a small way, like some semblance of like a community. Um, And then from there, I just started like making it. Yeah, I mean, I literally shot up on my iPhone. um, And then-
1: Do you want to give the improv improv uh,
0: comedy group a shout out? I do. I mean, it's not together anymore. And I can't remember the name. But then
2: um,
0: <laughs> I met my friend, I met my friend, Jess Collett, who was in the web series and helped with the film as well. And she's also like a filmmaker, so I could give her a shout out. But the improv group was like five people and it's not together anymore. And I could not remember what it was called.
1: That, that's fine. I mean, to be honest, I thought it was going to be a case where at least like, you know, the, 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 the groundlings from Yeah,
0: it's absolutely not that <laughs>
1: yeah, so it's, it's, they, they meet for like a couple of months and then just they fizzle out and then it gets
0: done. Yeah, it was but, definitely that, but it was like a good push for me to like, because I thought like you can write stuff, but then unless, I don't know, you can just kind of write stuff and then it can just kind of like stay on your hard drive. But I felt like that was like a good, I would like try stuff out and Jess, who was a comedy group, was in my web series and it kind of gave me like a push to do stuff on my own as opposed to like... No,
1: the way. That's fantastic. And, and the web series is sorry, not interested. It's on YouTube at
0: the moment. So people can go and watch that. Yeah. There's like 20 episodes. So there's a lot of content.
1: And the film that you've done, you've done has come out now. The feature film is Plastic Boy. Uh, we're speaking we're speaking with Sam Plummer on Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Acho. I'm producer Dave. Now, Sam, tell us this film, Plastic Boy, it's currently out. How can people get to watch this film?
0: Yeah, so it is available on Vimeo On Demand. You can rent it um, and buy it. Please buy it because that is more money. Um, And it's streaming on Plex, which is an app that is readily available on more platforms than I thought. You can get it on your PlayStation 4, which is what I use.
1: Is that Plex, P-L-E-X? Yeah. Fantastic. But for you to get more of a reward, People should go on Vimeo on demand and buy that film because yeah, can-
0: I would prefer it if that is what they did. That is where I've been like directing people to, but you know, <laughs> they can watch it however they like, but that's my like preferred method.
1: Fantastic. Make sure you send us a link to it. We'll put it on the show notes for the podcast when it goes out. Uh, Vimeo on demand, and they can buy your film Plastic Boy so that you can then fund your next project. Uh, and then you can come back on the show and tell us more about it. Uh, If people want to follow you to know more about what you're doing, how can they do that?
0: Yeah, so the Instagram page for Plastic Boy is Plastic Boy Film, Um, and then my Instagram is just literally just my name, Sam Ploma. Sam Ploma, that's uh, P-L-O-M-E-R. Yes, Ploma, Ploma, however you feel like Pronouncing it, yeah. Fantastic.
1: Sam, thank you very much for joining us on Shoot the Breeze. We wish you all the best with Plastic Boy and your projects. But I think producer Dave
2: might want to ask a question. Yeah, just before you go, Sam, um, what have you got planned for the future?
0: Yeah, so I feel like Plastic Boy has kind of taken up like a lot of time. And now I'm like a bit, I mean, not over it because everyone should buy it because it's great. But I'm like very ready to like move on because we did make it like a while ago. I have like a bunch of different things written um yeah i quite enjoyed like funding this film myself like a low budget and working in a small way so i guess i will probably do that again for the next film but i've written quite a lot of different things and i guess like yeah i'm like not entirely sure what's next something i've written that is good all
1: right and and like i mentioned once once you've written something and you feel you want to you want to promote it feel free to come back on the show and talk about it more
0: Thank you so much. I definitely will.
1: And that was our spotlight segment, where we had Sam Plummer come in to talk about his film Plastic Boy. Uh, so, so, producer Dave, did did you feel I put him on? Uh, 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 did I put him on the spot when I was asking him
2: how to pronounce his last name? Not really, no. I mean, you always ask that question anyway. But uh, yeah, I, I looked at that and it's like plumber, plumber, whichever, you know, potato, potato. At least it wasn't bucket and bouquet, if you see what I mean. Oh, yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> of I, I, but that's the thing. I always do that because I always butcher people's names and I feel they're very being very, very polite. And so that's why I wanted to make sure I got it right. Because a lot of people ask me my actual first name. A lot of people say, oh, is this? Oh, no, my last name, actually. People always go, oh, do, do you say Eiko? Oh, and I, and I always correct them straight away. I was like, no, it's Ako. It, the A is strong. It's Ako. It's so, Ako. They're like, oh, Echo? No, Ako. So that's what I, I, I always do. So that's why I wanted to give them the opportunity to say it's Ploma, not Ploma. Or Plum Ploma. Or whatever. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm Sam. I'm, I'm
2: sorry. I'm butchering your name. No, afterwards. no, no. It's a bit like I'm Dave and David, you. to be quite honest. <laughs>
1: you're, never, you're not going to let that go, are you? You're, you're not going to let that go. Uh, well, producer David is on the show. So I want to use this opportunity. No, no, no.
2: Producer Dave works. Producer David doesn't. But David, uh, yes. Dave, no. sorry
1: <laughs> I I wanna use this opportunity to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to us ramble about random stuff without you listening. We most likely would be doing this in our own room and we'd be considered crazy people because I would just be sitting in a corner and talking about films I like nonstop. Uh, but I want to thank you all for giving me an opportunity to be able to do this. I want to thank Resonance FM for always again, and like I always say, for not listening to our show, because the moment they listen to one episode, they're gonna go, Yeah, this is not for us. Please cancel what you're doing. Uh, but yes, yeah, so carry on not listening to our show and carry on letting us broadcast on Resonance 104.4 FM. And I'd highly recommend that you go that you know, those of you who are listening, if you're listening to us on the podcast, which a lot of people tend to do. If you're not listening, if you're already listening on Resonance FM, you know how great the, the station is. Uh, but if you are listening to us on the podcast and you're not listening to us on Resonance FM, go check out Resonance FM because it's a fantastic radio show. Producer Dave, can you give a couple of shows that people might be interested in watching or listening to on Resonance FM?
2: Well, it depends what their interest is. Um, if they're into grime, there's a there's a program late at night called... Um, not that I can remember it, um, Grime for the Unconverted. Yep, yeah, that's it, Grime for the Unconverted. If you like live music, there's some live music shows there. There's uh, book shows that you can listen to, various art shows, travel shows, local shows as well. Um, if you live in Nunhead, there's a, a show just for you and shows aimed at people who live in social housing and for the elderly. Um, there's an OEP, a show for um, pensioners. So there's a wide spectrum of shows there for a load of people. And if you like your Irish music, you're definitely going to be enjoying that as well because there's a show dedicated to Irish music. So yeah, there's lots there.
1: And if you're in the London area, it's it's on, it's on an off FM wa- wavelength. So go to Resonance 104.4 FM. If you want to listen to it over the uh, internet, just go to resonancefm.com and you can find uh, their shows. You can go onto their Mixcloud and catch a whole bunch of their back catalogue and check them out. They're a fantastic radio show, uh, radio station, giving us the opportunity to ramble about our favourite films and TV shows. Uh, so I want to use this opportunity, like I said, to thank all of you for listening. Uh, uh, you have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Acho, And I'm still a producer, Dave. Dan, thank you very
2: much for listening. And speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. Do, do you like how I like to throw you under the bus every with